Well, good evening and a warm welcome to another edition of Speaker's Corner with myself, Anne Dawson. You're watching Revelation TV. Thursday night, 9 o'clock, we're live, so that can only mean one thing. It is indeed time for a whole hour of Speaker's Corner. Now, as we have Halloween approaching, which uh, is uh, next Tuesday, I believe, on the 31st of October, um, many of you may have watched Just a Minute, excellent programme last night, talking all about Halloween and demons and witches and and uh, evil spirits, etc. We are going to be talking about, yes, the dangers of Halloween, but more from, dare I say it, a Christian viewpoint. How many of us would actually say as Christians that we are 100% guaranteed that we would never, ever dabble in the occult? Well, perhaps we would never knowingly dabble in the occult, but can we be duped? Now, our guest this evening is from a church that you'll be very familiar with. If I mentioned the name Derek Walker's church, you will know I'm talking about, obviously, Oxford Bible Church. And our special guest this evening is um, Peter Hockley. Pete, it's brilliant to have you here Thank on you. the programme. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time because we met um, on the Oxford Bible Church trip to Israel earlier on this year. Yes, that's right. Yeah, we had been exchanging some emails back yes. and forth before that, but it was on the Israel trip that we actually met back we in March. We actually met, so. and um, I got to hear a bit of your testimony, mm, yeah. and it, it's, it is incredible. But tonight, with it being Speaker's Corner, and the very nature of what that involves. It's mm. about getting a message out to people. We need to be aware. We need not be duped by the enemy. Right. And you're here really to tell us a little bit about your own story, how that actually happened, mm. how you became a Christian and found freedom in Christ, and really serving as a warning to others, particularly at a time of year where a lot of us think, oh, does it really matter? And a yes. little bit of this okay, and a little bit of that is okay. So um, just, you know, Rewinding the clock back, give us a time scale of um, where your journey really started. So if, if we can talk a little bit about your background and how your spiritual journey actually began, Pete. Right. Okay. Well, I come from Oxford and I grew up in a non-Christian, non-religious, non-church going family. There wasn't anybody in my family who believed in God. Everyone was an atheist. So that's really how I grew up. And for the first few years of my life, I didn't really think about God or church or Jesus. I wasn't really interested in any of that stuff. But when I was a teenager, I became really aware of the fact that there was something missing in my life. It was like there was an itch that I couldn't scratch. Something that ought to have been there on the inside of me wasn't there. No one around me knew about this. Uh, it was just a sort of private torment, this echoing emptiness in the, in the depths of my heart. And I buried it for a number of years. I got involved in nightclubs and drinking and all of that sort of partying. But by the time I turned 20, that feeling of emptiness had just become unbearable. And so it was at the age of 20 that I really prayed the first serious prayer 
of my life. I remember I sat in my garden one night and I said, God, I don't even know if you're real. Maybe I'm just talking to myself. But if you are real, if you are out there and you care about me even just a little bit, please help me change my life. Help me understand this emptiness that's on the inside of me because I believe there has to be more to life than this, but I don't know where to begin. So if you're out there and you care about me even just a little bit, please can you help me come and change my life? And, and what happened after that? Was there an immediate bolt of lightning from the sky? Oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite as straightforward not, as not, that. Not so simple as that. But what, what began that night was a, a spiritual journey that lasted about a year and a half, where I looked at lots of different religions. I started reading lots of different spiritual books. But again, nothing seemed to really satisfy me. Nothing seemed to scratch that itch that I had on the inside of me. And it's interesting that I actually got to know a few Christian people at work. There were three sisters that I worked with and they were all the first to really genuine Christians that I'd ever met. They weren't social Christians, they weren't cultural Christians, you know, they really practiced their faith. They read their did Bibles. Did that attract you, um, it, it, It's interesting that I appreciated what it did for them. I, it, they were very kind, they were very lovely and friendly and generous and welcoming. But the, the Christianity part of it, the religious part of it, I always kept it at arm's length. I always imagined in my mind, I suppose, that Christianity was quite dull, that churches were these sort of old, stuffy, cold buildings where everyone sung these dreary hymns. So I, I really didn't want anything to do with their Christianity, even though I enjoyed their friendship. And just to let you know that, of course, with it being Speaker's Corner, and we're going to continue with Pete's story, but you can actually come through and be part of the programme. Uh, we are going to be putting details right throughout the hour as to how you can text, how you can email if you've got questions um, for Pete. And, and maybe you're familiar, maybe many of you have actually come across Pete Hockley um, because you're, you've got your... well. On YouTube, mm. there's many versions of your um, of your actual right, testimony yeah. that you're going to be sharing with us, and it is a kind of abridged version this evening because obviously with uh, time constraints that we've got. But if we can carry on from the part where, and, and I have one question before we continue, isn't it strange that we hear a lot of testimonies about people that are like there's something missing from their life, they're looking for something. But all the other religions seem a little bit more interesting than Christianity. That, oh, we have this thing of, that's, it can't be that, or that's just really dull and boring and, mm. you know, full of sort of uninteresting people. Whereas, you know, if we go off to the, down the road of the Eastern mysticism or whatever, it always seems a little bit more appealing. Well, why do you think that is? Uh, I, I think probably because we have a lot of preconceptions about what Christianity is and what it isn't. Uh, and so I think a lot of us grow up in that sort of very traditional uh, religion, we either grow up with it or we grow up with an idea of that's what it's like. Um, so there's something about that unknown, the, the Eastern mysticism, other religions from other parts of the world, that uh, we think maybe they have some sort of flavor mm. that, would, that would satisfy us more than what we think Christianity is all about. Okay, so um, you know these three sisters mm. in your place of work. Uh, you know, just to recap here, you've done the sort of the drinking, the going out, the yeah. partying, um, and now you're in this work situation. So uh, continue from there. What happens next? Right, well, they gave me some books to read, um, explaining the gospel, telling the story of Jesus. I gave the books right back. Uh, I was a very proud person, um, quite stubborn. And I told myself, I'm going to find the truth on my own. I'm going to find the answers to the questions that I have. 
uh, and I'm not going to need their help to do it. So I can still remember the day. It was Friday, the 6th of December, 2002. In the early evening, I was standing in the bookshop looking for some kind of book that could help me. And it was that evening I came across a book called Conversations with God by a man named Neil Donald Walsh. And that book totally changed my life. Right, if we can just pause here for a second. This book, incidentally, and we're not recommending that everyone runs out and buys this book. Mm. That's not the purpose of naming it. Um, if anything, it's probably considered to be more of a warning. Yeah. Um, this is not some little book that a couple of people have read. Uh, you know when you get a lot of reviews, say, for example, you know, on the websites where you buy the books, we are talking well in excess, something like about 648 reviews, mm. with the majority of them, with nearly six. 600 of them being five star. This is a book that has impact, but it really should come with a warning as we're about to hear. So you buy the book. Tell us what happened next, Pete. Well, I've never found a book like it. There was something very magnetic about it. I should say that the author of the book, Neil Donald Walsh, claimed that he could speak to God and that God spoke back to him. And the way that he did it was through a process that I learned later is called automatic writing. So Walsh would take a pen and paper. He would write his message to God and then he claimed that something would take a hold of him and almost without any control in his own arm uh, he would write a message back to him and he said that that message came from God. So I was fascinated by this, I'd never heard anything like this and I bought the book, I took it home and I read virtually the entire book uh, front to back until about 2.30 in the morning still sat up reading this and I was amazed by everything that this man said he was hearing from God, that there was no such thing as sin no such thing as heaven and hell, uh, no such thing as judgment, that we were free to live however we wanted because human beings are themselves divine. We're all part of a universal divine Godhead, if you like. And so the meaning of life is to just do everything, enjoy everything, live however you want. And when you die, you can just come back and do it all over again with a brand new life. And yet there are many people who would consider themselves Christians mm. who advocate this book, who, who you know, would say this is a good experience, this is a, this is a godly experience that they're having. Sure. Um, it, it was clear that this man was having a supernatural experience. It, it was evident that he was experiencing something that was beyond this world. And it sounds very appealing uh, to hear the message that there's no such thing as judgment, that you can live however you want, that if you make a mistake it doesn't matter because there are no consequences at the end. Yeah. So, okay, so you read the book till about 2.30 yeah. in the morning, you know, cover to cover, and then what happened? Well, about 2.30 I, I began to wonder how can I know for sure that this is exactly what I'm looking for. Then I had a brainwave. I thought I'm going to write my own letter to God. Does he encourage that? No, nowhere in the book does he suggest that anyone else should do it. I have no idea if anyone else has done it, but uh, you so, to so desperate was that search for truth and meaning on the inside of me. I thought I have to know if this is the real deal. So I got a, a pen and a notepad and I scribbled a letter simply saying, God, if you're out there, you know how much I've been looking for you. Please will you speak to me like the man you spoke to in the book. And then what happened? Well, first of all, nothing happened. And two or three more times I, I added to the notes. On the same night? On, on the, the same night as I sat there waiting for something to happen. I didn't know if there was going to be a bright light or uh, trumpets or, or harps or something. But actually there was nothing. And I wrote two or three extra lines to the note. Please will you speak to me? You know how much I've been looking for you. 
And then uh, have you ever had that situation where it feels like everyone else gets the breaks? Uh, it works for everyone else, but it doesn't work for you. Mm -hmm. And I, I really had that. And so I got angry. And I wrote a very angry letter to God, you know, the, and I wrote a whole tirade on the paper. Uh, look at the world that you've made, all the war, all the children being killed, all the violence. Why don't you do something about it? You say that you love us, but you won't even speak to me. And the last thing I wrote was, you are an uncaring God. And uh, I threw down the pen and I was fuming. And that was when it happened. Because in that moment, I, I descended into a trance. Now, I had never experienced a trance before in my life. But in that moment, it was like, you know how you have a, a dimmer switch and someone can turn lights up and down? It was, it was like someone dimmed the entire world. And I was fixated on that sheet of paper. I, I couldn't take my eyes from it. And uh, it just seemed to glow with this brightness. And I found that my breath was getting shallow and echoing in my ears like a wind in a, in a cave. And suddenly I watched as my hand reached out and took the pen. And it was as if I was a, a spectator standing behind somebody wow. else looking over their shoulder. As, as I picked up the pen and the tip of the pen touched down on the paper and then just began to swirl round and round. I had absolute calm. I wasn't afraid at all. And as the pen moved round and round, these words came out which said, it is of no consequence what you call me. And wow. when I saw that, suddenly as the, as the trance broke and I, I came to myself there in the room, I realized in that moment just how much of an unbeliever I am. I realized in that moment, even though I was so desperate for something to happen, when something actually did happen, I realized I don't believe in this stuff. You know, this isn't movies or television. This is the really real world. Things like this don't happen. And yet I had just experienced the supernatural. And that was the beginning of a journey of four days and nights of doing this, what's called automatic writing. And this is where the four nights with the devil comes in. We're putting the details up because you've got right, a website. Yeah. Yes, yeah, you can buy my book, uh, Four Nights with the Devil, from that website. It's available on Amazon Kindle. You know, and that's, you know, that's quite a title, isn't it? You right. Know, when, you, when you look at it, Four Nights with the Devil. So we're really, um, we're kind of dealing with the dark. Well, we're not kind of, we are dealing with the dark side. But at that point in time, you didn't know that you were you did you think you were actually communing with God at that point? Absolutely there you was did. there was never a question in my mind that it was God um, it's interesting that even though I had been on this spiritual journey for about a year and a half questioning whether or not God existed I had never once considered the possibility that the devil existed one thing that Walsh makes very clear in his book is that there is no such thing as the devil and so as I began this automatic writing experience, I absolutely believed I had made a connection with God and that the one speaking to me was the same one speaking to Walsh and the identity of that one was God. I never even imagined it was anyone other than God. How much were you writing at this stage, Pete? I mean, was it just a few words or...? No, uh, that first night I spent about two, two and a half hours writing writing, and everything I wrote, every question I had, every, everything I put down on paper, I would immediately go into this trance-like state and uh, streams of uh, responses would come out. But, so give us some examples of the things that you were writing, what, what was happening? Okay, so uh, one of the things that I, I was asking was about my loved ones because uh, I had, at a very young age, lost some uh, family members who were very close to me, an uncle who was very close and also my grandmother. And so I began to 
uh, write and ask questions about where they were. Did they, did they go to heaven? Uh, had they been reincarnated, which was the theme of Walsh's book? Uh, where were they? And uh, the response that came back was that they were indeed alive, that they had been uh, reincarnated and they were living on the earth. And, and I tell you, this just made me have streams of tears running down my face wow. with this experience. That's incredible. So uh, it's now whatever time it is in the middle of the night or the early hours of the morning, mm. you go to bed. How did you feel when you woke up the next day? You know, most of us will remember the day that we made that decision for the Lord, that we mm. made that decision for Christ, that born again moment where mm. you think suddenly life seems worth living and mm. there's meaning and purpose. Did you get that? Did, did you have a similar almost like born again experience with the with this book? Well, I had no born again experience to compare it to, but I suppose at that particular moment, I really thought I found what I've been looking for. This, this. Did you feel that itch, that, that itch that you it, couldn't it, scratch? It, it, felt, it felt like it was scratching it. Yes. Um, it was actually reaching that spot and uh, it, was, it was giving me the answers that I was looking for, the, 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 the message that I can live however I want, I can do whatever I want, and uh, of course, that's the kind of message you want to hear. Um, and I think a lot of people would, would love it if, if that's what God was telling them. You can live however you want. There's no judgment at the end of it. Just, you know, go out and enjoy yourself. So, uh, so I actually went to work the next day feeling very proud. And I saw my Christian friends at work. And, I, and I, I never said a word to them that day. But I felt very proud and very arrogant on the inside of me because I thought, look at these Christian people praying to the clouds. And, and yet they don't know what I know. They're not yes. experiencing what I'm experiencing. You've got this direct connection. Exactly. I, I really felt like uh, I've got the real thing. They've yes. just got You've some got the dusty deal. old Bible, you know. And did you tell them um, straight away that, or you, you said you didn't say to them that day, but when you did tell them, what, what was their reaction? I mean, how did, you, how did that take place? What they're talking about the Bible and you say, yeah, I know the guy who wrote that. Well, it, well it's, that it's, it's interesting because um, I, I spent the first sort of two days and nights just in my room doing this automatic uh, writing experience. By the third day, I actually began to hear voices, uh, something that which I'd, I'd never experienced before. I had never had any psychological problems before. But by the third day, I was, I was so fluid with automatic writing that I actually began to hear voices speaking to me. Internally or externally? Ex externally. I could, I could hear these voices all around me. And it actually got to the point where I could have a verbal conversation with these voices without the use of the pen and paper. So I was doing both. At home, I was using the pen and paper, but I was also able to just walk down the street and have a two-way conversation with these voices. What kind of conversations were you having? The same kind of thing. The, 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 these voices were often telling me, you know, we're, I'm always with you now that we've found each other. Uh, we're never going to be apart. This is everything you've been looking for. So they were nice. They were very, kind. very nice. Very, very calm. I always say about the voice that it, it was a very soothing, very calm voice. Um, but by the fourth day, I began to realize that this voice was always talking. Even when I wasn't talking back, I could always hear this voice. And it, so it, it got a little bit oppressive. 
it, it started to strangle and choke just a little bit, hearing this voice constantly. But I thought that's just the burden that comes with voice. knowing God. And, yes, and that's you're just one of the, the special few, yes, that's, the chosen that's one. one of the sort of, that's the price you have to pay for being a prophet or something. Wow. Uh, and was it the one voice that you heard or was it different voices? Uh, it seemed to be the one voice, but it was coming very, very, very often and very frequently. And uh, there never seemed to be a break in, in, in what it was saying to you. I feel me. like having a radio on permanently exactly, that you couldn't turn exactly. off. Exactly, and you can't turn it off. And so uh, with the Christians, how did you get to the point that you told them that well, I know you didn't tell them, look, you don't know what you're talking about and I've got the truth, but you obviously had a conversation mm. um, with them, presumably telling them that you too um, have found God. Right, yeah. Well, How it was, did that go? It, it was on the fourth day, I went to work and I thought, I've got to say something today. I've got to tell them what's going on. So uh, one of them was, was there in the workplace and at the first uh, available opportunity, I took her to one side and I said, guess what, you're never going to believe this but I've been speaking to God. And her sort of jaw dropped to the floor and she thought, what, what is this you're saying? And then I began to tell her about it, all of the experiences that I'd had over the last few days, all of the automatic writing and, and the experiences I'd had in my room. And the emotion of it got me in the moment when I was talking to her and I actually started to cry. Now I was quite a man's man, you don't cry in front of women. So I was so embarrassed, I sort of fled out of the room. She came and followed me and she said, look, because you cried, I know that this is really happening to you. You're, you're not making a joke, you're not playing a prank. This is really happening to you. But she said, I've got to tell you, as a Christian, this isn't God. I've been a Christian for many years, and this is not how God speaks to people, and these are not the kinds of things that God says. So you were sharing some of your experiences? Yes, I was telling her the kinds of things that I was hearing from what I believed was God. And she said, uh, absolutely, this is happening, but it's not God. And I asked her, well, who is it then? If it's not God, who is it I'm talking to? And, and I'll never forget the look in her eyes when she said, it's the devil. And as soon as she said that, I heard a voice in my ears which said, there's no such thing as the devil. And I slammed my hand down on the table and said to her, laughing, there's no such thing as the devil. She said, you're talking to the devil. And I said, well, he told me he's God. And she said, the devil is a liar. It's the devil that you're speaking to. Wow. Uh, for somebody, you were saying about being proud and slightly arrogant of the fact that you had found God. Did that make you angry? I mean, what were, what were you feeling when she was telling you that you were talking to the devil? At first, because uh, I, I really believed that I could bring her on side. I, I really thought that what I had discovered and what I was doing was so genuine, so powerful, I thought that I could have a 10-minute conversation with her and she would immediately throw her Bible away and come and do what I was doing. But she really dug her heels in and said that uh, this really isn't God that you're speaking to, it's the devil. And uh, it was actually my pride that was my undoing because she said to me, there's one way that you can find out for sure who it is you're speaking to. She said, the name of Jesus is the highest name that there is. There's no other name as high as that name. It is the most powerful and authoritative name that there is. She said, the next time you write one of your messages, ask this thing in the name of Jesus to tell you who it is, and it will absolutely have to tell you. And it was my pride that was my undoing because I thought, well, I know I'm speaking to God. So when I do what she's asking me to do and ask this thing in the name of Jesus, tell me who you are, surely it will tell me it's God. I can show her that and prove that I'm right and she's wrong. So I made up my mind that I was going to do what she suggested. 
And were you getting any voices when she was suggesting that? Was anybody saying to you or any being saying to you, don't need to ask that? Oh, that was the first thing I heard. I, I immediately heard a voice which said, you don't need to do that, you know who I am. And I heard that several times as she was encouraging me to write that note. I, in fact, said to her, first of all, it, that's not something I need to do. I know who I'm speaking to. But as I say, the more she encouraged me to do it, the Your more my got pride in got in the way and said, yeah, I'm going to do this to prove okay, her wrong. Okay, well, I, you know, this would be the, the, you know, this is not the time to put the kettle on or anything like that. We, we want to hear what happened. I mean, obviously, you went home, presumably. Um, at what point did you ask this you know, being to identify itself. Right. Well, I was I was actually still at work. Um, my my Christian friends went off on her break. I grabbed a, the the nearest sort of pen and paper I could get my hands on. Went straight into the men's room at work, and I scribbled in the name of Jesus Christ. Tell me who you are. And for the first few moments, nothing happened. And then I slowly went into that trance-like state, and I watched as the pen went round and round, and the words came out. You should have trusted me. And for the rest of the evening shift while we were there, were there at work, I noticed this very dark mood was beginning to rest on me from that point. I, I could see my Christian friend uh, all throughout the evening, but she wasn't saying anything to me because she had gone away, telephoned her family, and they were all praying for me at that point. Wow. But I had no idea of this. Mm -hmm. So I could see her across the room, and every time I looked at her, I just had these, these lightning bolts of anger on the inside of me I, and I found I was getting angrier and angrier over the course of the evening and so at the end of the day when I went home as soon as I got home I, I couldn't concentrate on anything I felt like my, my mind was buzzing and uh, I went up to my room got the pen and the notepad and I'm telling you streams of words were coming out as I fell into this trance and it was all condemnation it was all uh, words attacking me. You should have trusted me. You should have listened to what I was saying. Why didn't you trust me after these four days we've been together? Um, this is the problem with you in your life. You never pay attention. You never listen. You never stick with the rules. And all of this stuff started coming out. And it was so intense, I couldn't stop my hand from writing. I was screaming at my hand, stop moving. And it, it just kept going and going and going. And am I right in saying, it, when you were talking about the condemnation, it was reminding you of all the wrong things exactly. that you'd ever done. Yeah. And you were writing them down. Yes, so I was watching it, them appear like on the page. It's almost like a confession yeah. of your whole life. All, all the mistakes of my past, all the things I'd ever done wrong. And these, these were now appearing on the page like arrows or stones being hurled at me to attack but me. But you were the one that was right. And it was, it, they were coming out of the pen in my hand. And I couldn't stop my hand or let go of the pen. And so what happened then? Well, after writing reams and reams of these uh, condemnating words, words of condemnation, uh, I scratched with very large capital letters the words on the page, Yes, you fool, I am the devil. And in that moment, I'm telling you, my whole world shattered because I knew everything that my friend had said about Jesus, about the Bible, about the name of Jesus, everything she said was absolutely true. I realized I had been duped, that I had believed I was having a conversation with God, but in fact, it was demons that had entered my life. And in that moment, I thought, I'm going to die and I'm going to go to hell. And, and the hand holding the pen was underlining that word devil 
over and over again. It was the strangest, strangest thing. Uh, now, I have to ask you there, because I think a lot of people will, be, um, will want to know this. Do you believe that it was actually Satan, that it was the devil himself, or do you believe it was a demon? Well, a, a lot of people have asked me this, yeah. you know, well, who do you think you are, that the, the devil himself would come to you? Um, the way I answer it is like this. No, I don't believe it was actually the devil, Lucifer. Uh, I, I honestly believe it was a demon. Right. But uh, even in the Bible, we see instances of people who are uh, bound with evil spirits, demonic spirits, and Jesus refers to that as the devil. Uh, there's a woman in, in one of the Gospels who was bound with a, Satan, a spirit, yeah. and uh, it was a spirit of infirmity That's that right. left her bent over. She couldn't stand up. Jesus delivered her, but yeah. he said, this woman has been bound by, by Satan, Satan. Yeah, for 18 that's right. years. That's right. So, okay, so underlining the word the devil, you mm. think you're going to die. Yeah. My goodness, it's like, this should be a film, Peter. Yeah, it, it, be, it, was, um, it was the most horrific thing. Um, and and as, I, as I sat there, all the strength fled out of my body. I sincerely believed I was about to die. The, the, the things that happened in that moment were frightening. The, the pen that I was uh, holding in, in my hand suddenly turned around and flew at my face, and I couldn't stop it. And so I stabbed myself in the left cheek with the pen and began to scratch and draw all over my face with the pen before the pen went back to the page and the words came out, I hate you, I hate you. I was in such a panic, I thought I'm about to die. Uh, everything that my friend has said is real. It's interesting that in that moment, in the midst of all of that fear, unimaginable fear, one image flashed through my mind like a camera flash and it was a crown of thorns. And I knew in that moment, everything my Christian friend has told me is true. So not only did I have this revelation of the devil, but I understood very, very clearly in that moment that God is real. Yeah. It is the God of the Bible who is real. Jesus Christ really did walk this earth. Uh, the Christmas story, the Easter story, they're all true. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. I didn't understand the theology. I didn't understand why it all happened. But in that moment, I knew it was real and you it was knew the that truth. The, that the, um, the Christian God was the true God. Absolutely, absolutely. But I thought, I'm lost. It's too late. I've, I found out this is true, but the devil has me now, and I'm lost. I thought, the only person who can possibly help me is my Christian friend. So my mobile phone was just to my side. I turned and looked at it, and I heard a voice roaring out of the darkness. If you touch that phone, I'll kill you. I'll make your heart explode, and you will die right now. And so as I reached out for that phone, still with the pen in the other hand, um, stabbing at the paper and, and doing all sorts, I, I really thought, I'm about to die. But I just had this impulse to reach for the phone, and I, I called my Christian friend, and when she came on the line, I was trying to yell for help, and nothing would come out of my throat. It was like my throat just suddenly clamped shut, and I was, I was screaming, and there was no sound. And she was saying my name over the phone, Pete, are you there? Hello? Hello? And then all of a sudden, a voice came out of my mouth that wasn't my voice. And the voice said, Pete can't talk to you right now. And she yelled down the phone, devil, let him go in the name of Jesus. And when she said that, my throat opened up and I was able to speak. And I was crying down the phone, please help me, please help me, the devil's got me. She said, Pete, pray to Jesus we're coming to get you. And so she and her family came in their car to come and collect me. Gosh, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Um, 
we're going to be talking a little bit more about circumstances since then. Um, you know, how your eyes have really been opened mm. by that profoundly occultic experience. But how did you get born again at this point? How long did it take? What happened after that before you had lost this voice and found a way and whatever. It didn't take very long at all, I can tell you. <laughs> I was going to um, say, probably I, after that it would be quite quick. Like, immediately that night, I ended up in the house of my Christian friends. They didn't live too far away. And I was in their house that evening and they sat me down in their armchair. Now, I had no real experience of Christianity. As I said, I, I'd never grown up with Christianity. So my experience and my understanding of Christianity came from movies. So when I went into their house that night, I thought... You know, all the lights would be off, there'd be candles and a, you know, Virgin Mary statue or something. But it was just a perfectly normal evening, like any other evening I'd been in their house. They sat me down in an armchair, put a blanket over me, and, you know, we just sat and watched Christian television for about two hours. Praise and, the Lord and, for Christian TV. Absol <laughs> absolutely. And they, they never said anything. No one said anything because they had already prayed and they said, we've already got the victory. So no one said anything for about two hours. And during that time, I suddenly became aware of the fact I couldn't hear these voices anymore. And it was as if peace was filling up the living room that we were sitting in, just sort of falling like snowflakes just down upon all of us there. And so I sat there with this real feeling of peace that came over me. And after about two hours of silence watching the Christian TV, my friend's mum turned and looked at me and said, So, do you feel ready to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? I thought, what kind of question is that? I'm, I'm not I'm going so to ready. wait. I am, I have never been more ready. Let's do this. So we prayed together that night, and I received Jesus as my savior right then. And uh, once you received Jesus, with all the problems, did you ever hear the voices again, or did they gone for good? Did they try and come back? From the time I accepted Christ in my friend's living room that night, which was about half past midnight that night, uh, December 10th, 2002, I was, I was totally changed. From the moment I received Christ and then they laid hands on me and prayed for me, I had the most wonderful, wonderful experiences. And I felt that that empty, missing piece that was on the inside of me was filled that night. And then I said to myself, this is what I was looking for. That thing which I, uh, which I thought was it several days ago when I began this writing, actually wasn't it at all. I found it now. I have it now. And so what began that night when I accepted Christ totally transformed me forever. Now in the first week or so, uh, as a new young Christian, uh, those voices did come back. I, I was aware of them uh, because I thought being a Christian meant no more devil. And uh, you'd never have to deal with him again, never have to experience him again, that's it. But uh, boy, that was a rude awakening, that first week as a young new Christian uh, when I realized, oh, the devil is actually still around. And so I began hearing those voices and they were saying things like, we haven't left you, you haven't really become a Christian, this didn't work, you still belong to us. But uh, the first night I heard that, I telephoned my friends and they prayed for me and, uh, and I, I just got a lot of peace. But then the next night, these voices came back saying the same things, you still belong to us, we still have you. But something was different this time. There was something on the inside of me that rose up to challenge those voices. And from deep down in my heart, I knew that I knew that I knew 
Jesus had saved me. Jesus had uh, took a hold of my life and now it belonged to him and he was absolutely stronger than these demons and I knew that he was my protection. And I, I said out of my mouth very loudly, in the name of Jesus, I command you voices to go and they went and they've been gone now for 15 years. And you weren't taught, you didn't go to some big seminar on spiritual warfare or you know, read it, not that there's anything wrong in that and, mm. and reading, but I'm just saying this was probably very, very necessary that you got a handle on that pretty quickly and sure, the Lord provided sure. that wisdom for you. Yeah, I, I lived the, the seminar. I didn't need to go <laughs> to a seminar. I lived the seminar yeah. and those first few days uh, in my Christian journey, my Christian friends from work and their mother, they really, really helped me in those first few days. They encouraged me what to do if I heard any of these voices, how to, how to begin my relationship with Jesus, how to read the Bible. We prayed together often in those early days. And so I really hit the ground running, uh, holding hands with Jesus. Gosh, it is just incredible. I know so many. I've been looking at the emails coming in that it's like, wow, being on the edge of my seat. I, I, you know, and I think we all have here. Mm. And I've, I've no, I know your testimony. Yeah. It's just like hearing it again. It, it is, it's incredible. It's, it's like one-on-one -on -one combat here. There, yeah. It's not, there's no half measures. Have you ever met anybody else who's read this book? Uh, no, not, not, not. People, I, I've, I've met people who have flirted with the book. People who have said, I, I've got it on my bookshelf, I've taken a look at it, and uh, I've encouraged them to get rid of it very quickly. Uh, in fact, the, my copies were burnt. I had, I had this book, the, 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 the first, I mean, he's, this guy's written like four or five of these well, books. Well, this is it, and I got the book, even though I, I was familiar with um, your testimony, Pete, I got the book for the purposes of this programme. Yeah. And even when I took it out of the packaging, <laughs> one of my son, we were kind of like, not too sure about having yeah. this book in the house. And yet it looks like it's a lovely blue, scenic mountains, lakes, peaceful, Christian looking book sure. really. It's a book that you would pick off the bookshelf and you'd think, yeah, conversations with God, this is this is what it's all about. Now, interestingly enough, sometimes you don't actually mention the book, but we made a decision tonight mm. and, and I'm happy that you I would have gone with whatever you wanted to do on this front, Pete, but I'm glad that you made the decision yeah. to name the book. Um I understand why there could be hesitancy because you think we you know, just because of curiosity and then we all start running out because we want to read the book and mm. you know motives can be come a bit muddied yeah. but you feel and that's why you're on the program speakers corner you feel really strongly that we need to be aware that there is a devil out there that it's not all about playing with a ouija board at halloween it comes in all sorts of guises and we need to get a warning out there don't we absolutely you know the devil is real uh there are lots of christians out there and, I, and i've met them over the the last 15 years that i've been a christian there are so many Christians who don't like to either think about the devil, uh, they don't like to talk about him, they'd like to just pretend he wasn't there, but he really is there. And my experience showed me that the devil is very real. He's not that little red guy that you see in the cartoons uh, with a fork. Uh, he's a very real, very invisible spirit of absolute malevolence and wickedness who wants to destroy our lives. And he'll do it any way that he can. So. It's, it's interesting that you, ha you have even Christians, even professing Christians, who uh, get themselves involved in things that they believe are harmless, 
just reading a horoscope out of a newspaper, for example, uh, just uh, you know, going to visit uh, you know, a psychic or a medium just for a bit of fun, for a night out, a bit yeah. of entertainment. Even if they don't really believe in it. Exactly. And yet these things, God warns us in the scriptures very, very severely. He warns us to, to stay away from these things because they are absolutely dangerous to us. They are doors which open up into our lives and give demons access to us. So it's, it's very important that we, we understand that when we, when we even so much as flirt with these occultic things, we are opening the door to darkness and we should have no fellowship with darkness, the scripture says. We should touch not the unclean thing. Well, Elaine uh, writes in, hi Elaine, wow Anne, what a testimony. I've been on the, uh, the edge of my seat. Um, another one here, right, I haven't got a name on this one. Um, hi Peter, I've read your book, thank you. So, uh, you know, there, many people are familiar with your story. They've either right. come across it on your website, read your book. Uh, others saying, you know, good to be addressing uh, the issues of Halloween. But I know for a fact, and I know from experience of doing these programs, and I certainly knew um, when you were coming on, pe people would be on the edge of their seats listening to your story because mm. it, it's an incredible one. And, you know, all praise and glory goes to God. Amen. He is the, you know, Jesus is our deliverer, yeah. which is fantastic. And that's where our focus has to be. Um, but if you've got a question, if you've got um, a comment that you'd like to make to Pete, or there's something you you want further clarification on, or, or perhaps you're sitting thinking, well, I've kind of done this, or I've dabbled a little bit in that. What should I be doing? Um, you know, please do text and email, and we'll put your questions um, to Pete for the remainder of the program. And I knew this was, I was saying to you beforehand, I really wish that this was going to be a two-hour <laughs> one tonight because it's such an important topic and we really have kind of condensed your um, your testimony, you know, because there's, an, you know, there's a lot more that we haven't had the time um, to go into that level of detail. But many people will be wondering, okay, so you've come out of that. Is this your ministry now? Is this what you do? Is it hands-on with the devil on a daily basis, nine to five? Um, what, what have you got some kind of really strong ministry uh, in spiritual warfare as a result of this? Um, I would I would say no, I, I not not specifically. I, I'm not I'm not a deliverance minister, um, but uh, coming out of this made me understand from the very beginning how real spiritual warfare is. Mm. So uh, so I think I'm probably more aware than than most other Christians out there how real spiritual warfare is, the, the activity of the demonic realm uh, operating even against the lives of Christians. So I'm very much aware of that. But uh, yes, I mean, I'm, I am in ministry. I'm, a, I'm an evangelist. I serve in Oxford Bible Church, as you yep. mentioned, mm -hmm. under our good friend, Pastor Derek Walker, who's a good friend of this channel. Yes, he is And uh, so I'm an evangelist and I, I go and I preach the gospel. I've, I've traveled around the UK and even overseas preaching the gospel. And uh, what, we, what happens when we do that is uh, we do emphasize, of course, that uh, the devil is out there. He's very real. And, you know, there are people who are entangled in all kinds of demonic webs that need to be set free. So, so one thing that, uh, that has happened frequently in, in my travels is, is preaching, for, uh, preaching and praying for people in terms of deliverance. But it, I wouldn't say it's a focus of my ministry yes. or speciality. Yes. It's just something that comes... Uh, with, You've been with set free and, and your job is to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ and in the process of that um, it's almost like these signs shall follow. Exactly. Um, you know, exactly. And if people need healing and if people need deliverance then that's what's going to sure. happen. Sure. Um, many people, and this is in my experience, many people will think or have said that 
or you know that they find the devil frightening understandably so but it's almost like a kind of attitude let's not talk about him and then he won't come because if we start talking about him then it all gets a bit weird and freaky um what would you say to that because he's he's there he's there anyway he'll he'll, he'll turn up anyway yes exactly. which is which is the thing you need to realize i mean it's interesting that for example i, I have my testimony in book form four nights with the devil yeah. and uh, there are so many christian people who've said to me, oh, I don't know about reading that book. Even ministers, I don't know about reading that book. It sounds very scary, sounds very frightening. Uh, Christian people are the one group of people who do not need to fear the devil because in Jesus yeah. Christ, they have complete authority over all principalities yeah. and powers. We are seated in Christ far above those principalities and powers. And, and Jesus has given us authority to tread, as he said, on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and he cannot hurt us, he cannot touch us in Christ. So it, it's, it's, I had a good friend of mine who said that, uh, you know, Christian people are, are often afraid of the devil and they, they hear this, this great lion that's roaring and if, if we only just stood up in our authority and switched on the light of Jesus and the gospel, we'd see that for us, he's just a little mouse in the corner of the room and we can tread on him easily. Amen, absolutely. Um, what would you say with regards to, obviously, we, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on this particular week is the build-up to Halloween mm. um, in this country and in many other countries as well is just incredible. The, you know, it's, it's everywhere. Mm. Um, you know, just because a, a coffin's got a smiley face on it, you know, <laughs> doesn't make it any better. Um, there's just lots of death everywhere. It's all yeah. the skeletons and the horror and witches and whatever. Um, what would you say to parents who um, are at home just now thinking, yeah, but I don't want my little ones to, and they're only tiny, I don't want them to miss out mm. because the nursery, the playgroup or whatever are putting on a little kind of Halloween thing. Right. And it, it can be difficult. It can be very difficult for some people because there's tremendous pressure. And I think as Christians, sometimes we think, well, that doesn't really matter. Mm. What would you What would you say? Uh, well, it's difficult. Uh, it, it is difficult. I mean, I, I would say don't give in to the pressure. You know, if, if, if a hundred other parents are feeding their children to lions, don't take your child into the lion cage too because they're missing out. Um, I, I think Christians uh, would be very good to organize alternatives to Halloween. That's one thing that we've done in Oxford Bible Church. We often provide a hallelujah party mm -hmm. as an alternative to Halloween, which does give young ones something to do. It gives them a chance to dress up as, as angels or figures out of the Bible. Um, so I think it's important that uh, parents, uh, if they are concerned about their children being involved in the Halloween activities, give them an alternative. But yeah. uh, do that rather than give in to the pressure and say, well, you know, I'll just dress them up as a demon and send them off to the, the Halloween party just yes. so they can play with their friends there. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, absolutely. I, um, when, when mine were all growing up, um, we used to always go out. Um, I just, I, I used to take them out and we'd go somewhere. I didn't, it wasn't like, I, I didn't want them obviously going trick-and-treating. Mm. I didn't want them to be in the house with yeah. other trick-and-treaters coming to the house. And either rightly or wrongly, I used to think, no, we're doing our own thing. We're going to go out and we're going to do something nice. And whether we went 10-pin bowling or yeah. we went to the cinema. Just any kind of activity. anything. Yeah. And then we would come in when that had all finished. Mm. Um, 
But what about people who, for maybe they've got very, very small children and, and they need to be in bed at a certain time and they can't, um, it's not practical for them to be um, taking their children out. How do you, how should you respond to trick-and-treaters coming to the door? Because that, you know, and... You know, they can be little children dressed up as pussycats and dogs to 16-year-olds that, my goodness, would give you heart failure opening the door. I mean, how do you deal with that? Um, you know, basically, as a Christian, do you give them the gospel? Do you open the door? Do you Should you ignore it? What would you recommend? Well, I, I've heard different things from different people. I know one Christian that I spoke to recently said that uh, she likes to share the gospel when when they when they come and she'll give them a treat if they'll listen and hear All right, okay. uh, the story that she wants to tell them so she'll say okay I'll, I'll give you something if you listen to me tell you a story and she'll tell them a story out of the bible she'll tell them the gospel and uh, that's that's how she deals with it okay. I, I know others who, who simply don't answer the door but uh, if you are going to open the door then i think you have to say something or demonstrate something of christ there at the door uh, rather than just going along with the flow and, and you know, commending them on their monster costumes and, and giving them sweets for it. Because, because this, this, the, the, the problem is that the connection with the occult, the connection with the demonic, uh, with Halloween, is very, very real. So we and want just, to make sure we're not part of it. Yeah, I mean, just talking about that, because a lot of people think, well, it's only sweets and somebody in a costume. What on earth has that got to do with mm. the occult? Where would you make that connection? Why, how, how dangerous is it just to dress up and, you know, take a pumpkin or whatever? Right, well, when you look at the very beginnings and the origins of, of Halloween, uh, going all the way back to the, the Sawin ceremony, which was a Celtic and Druid ceremony going back more than one and a half thousand years uh, in this country and in Scotland and in, in Ireland, uh, you see that uh, the belief at that time amongst the, the Celts and the Druids was that uh, the spirits of the dead and demon spirits, spirits of witchcraft, all manner of demons would all rise up at this time of year, October 31st and November 1st, and that they would roam the earth and uh, looking for a body to inhabit. And the only way to protect oneself was to disguise oneself in some sort of uh, costume to look like a demon, to look like a monster, to confuse, to confuse them and make them leave you alone. And other people would try and uh, keep those evil spirits on side by offering them sacrifices, gifts, treats of uh, sweet foods or fancy foods uh, and, and give them as an offering uh, so as to make sure that these evil spirits did not uh, do any kind of malice or harm to them while they were roaming the earth. So you can see that this, this dressing up, this offering of gifts, uh, treats to avoid tricks, all of this has come down to our modern day Halloween. Now I know that parents might think, well if, if their little boy dresses up as a Dracula and goes off down the road to do some trick-or-treating, he's not necessarily um, doing it with all of that stuff in mind, but you're eating fruit from that same tree. You may not have planted that tree, you may not have been involved in that tree growing up, but you're eating fruit from that same tree of those Druids and Celts who took part in the Samhain ceremonies uh, a thousand years ago. It's a little ago. bit like, and I know this is slightly off topic, but you have just reminded me, um, it's a little bit like you get some people that... Um, 
you know, they'll say, oh, yes, I don't agree with yoga and I don't agree mm. with, the, you know, the, <laughs> that side of it, but I'm just stretching. And, and when I do my poses, I'm, I'm, you know, not really doing what they were doing to right. them and gods. Yes. But you have to be really careful because, you know what, you might not be that serious, but the devil, I think, yeah. takes it very, very that's a, seriously. That's a very, that's a very good point. Um, because I, I am aware that that, and even in Oxford, we have we have one of the denominational churches that advertise the fact they have yoga yeah, in, in there in there during the stuff. yes, and and you know I hear that Christian yoga, uh, there's no such thing. You have Christianity and you have yoga. The moment you introduce yoga to Christianity, you no longer have Christianity, yeah, yeah. Uh, because people who who get involved in this. Um, they are doing it and, and they maybe don't understand the root of yoga, that it comes from Hinduism, it's related to the worship of the Hindu gods, but that's exactly what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, it just strikes me as quite similar. It's like, well, you know, or if I'm not dressing up, even if you weren't dressing up as Dracula, even if you were dressing up as an angel or, mm. or whatever, you are partaking of a festival yeah. with some seriously sinister roots and it's like you say you're going to partake of the fruit of that tree mm. you have to be prepared uh, to reap the consequences sure. and so surely the best thing is not to get involved i mean i sit here saying this as someone who grew up in scotland who preferred halloween over christmas mm. i was absolutely anything to do with Halloween. I loved yeah. it. Uh, we were out um, every Halloween, dressed, not necessarily dressed up as anything grotesque, but I absolutely adored it. Mm. And I just thank God that um, I got born again at the age I did because I, I could have easily gone down that route. I had a real unhealthy interest of, you know, psychics and this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, I, you know, it's nothing but the grace of God that, you know, just gently steered me in another direction <laughs> so that I got born again. But, you know, it all goes back to that emptiness, doesn't it, Pete? It all goes back to where your journey began, and that is there's an itch that needs to be scratched, and we need to make sure we're scratching it with the right thing. So anybody watching this evening um, that's maybe not a Christian yet, thinking, you know, I'm looking for the truth, but, you know, there's truth in all religions. What, what's your take on that? All roads do not lead to Rome. That's right. And that's what I discovered. When I began my spiritual journey, I realized, I had enough sense to realize, mm. I can't just look at all of the religions, spread them out on a table and pick one. I knew that there had to be something that is true, some truth about God, and which made all the others false. Uh, that's not politically correct. Um, people may it's not like that, it may tread on toes, but it's the truth because I could see that all the religions of the world didn't harmonize, they didn't all sort of dovetail together. Um, there, there were clear contradictions in certain areas in which they completely clashed in those contradictions. So I knew there had to be one that was true, something that was true about God, um, leaving all the others to be false. And you're absolutely right that people have inside of them this itch that cannot be scratched, certainly not by anything materially. And so much in today's world here in the West, we, we hear that ma the material world, the physical world is all that there is. Yeah. And yet people still have this yearning, this desire 
to reach out and touch something more because it's as if it's inside of us exactly. this knowledge that there well, is a higher world it's out the there. word of god that says he has put eternity Absolutely. in the heart of man we are way out of time can i just say didn't get a chance to read the emails what a testimony pete thank you very much pleasure indeed. thank you of course oxford bible church on regularly on a wednesday at 8 30. i tell you what don't miss next thursday you see you next.